1: You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Hello everybody, welcome into Sports Day Insider, a special edition in which we will talk about the 10 top sports stories of the year of 2023. These are not our top sports story here that we wrote, the local sports stories. I mean, we did write a lot of these things and talked about them, but uh, no, these are from the sports landscape, locally across the state of Texas. The things that mattered the most, that registered the most with you, are great listeners. So uh, we're gonna start, right away we're gonna jump into this thing uh, and start with number 10. We're gonna start at the bottom and work our way up. Number 10 on the list, the local high school teams winning state football titles again. Evan, we had, uh, besides uh, Duncanville and DeSoto, both won state titles again. They both repeated as state champions um, in 6A. Uh, Sock, the third member of that triumvirate, the golden triangle, I called it, of, of Texas high school football, came within three points of winning the 5A Division II title. Did not win it. Uh, It was unfortunate there, an onside kick. A couple things happened. uh, uh, Unfortunate. Alito won again. Uh, Alito has now won, I think, 64 state titles in football. Oh, I think it's actually, I think it's 13 now uh, for Alito. Uh, Anna won. That's the first time that Anna has won a state championship. So we're surrounded by state championship football programs up here. I think it's interesting because uh, I've had this conversation with some people talking about how it seems like uh, that North Texas has just taken the ball and run away with it in high school football. Um, you know, there's no reason why the, the greater Houston area wouldn't be as good or better because when you look at it up here in, in the metroplex, it's not the teams in Fort Worth and around Fort Worth that are with unless you count Alito, obviously. Uh, it's teams around the Dallas area, which is a much smaller metropolitan area than Houston is. Uh, and yet they're still that dominant. It's really fascinating to me how this has happened. And and, and I don't know, I don't discount the fact that there's so much attention uh, to the matter up here. You know, they've been playing the state championship football games in Jerry world for several years now. And I asked someone, why don't they play this game in Reliance stadium? And, and I was told, well, I guess in 2000, 15, I believe it is, the last time they had it there, the attendance was terrible. It was like 10,000 people came to, to, to the game there. And and if you saw uh, what happened last Saturday uh, for the 11 o'clock game with Sock and Port Portnich's Groves, another team that I covered way back in my youth uh, when I worked in Beaumont, uh, there were 34,000 people there. And then, of course, they could stay in the, in the stadium all day long. And it got up to over 50,000 that night when DeSoto... Um, played and won the, uh, its championship game. So that's a lot of people coming out for high school football games. It really matters up here. Uh, and and we give a lot of attention to it at the Dallas Morning News. Uh, it's one of the big draws on our website, uh, frankly, is our high school football coverage and the high school coverage just in general. Uh, so it's a, it's a fascinating story to see how that has all uh, uh, developed over the last few years. All right, number nine on my list. TCU getting crushed in the national title game by Evan Grants, Georges. Uh, you know, that happened. Obviously that was the last football season, but that was in fact, this year calendar year. Uh, I, I want to point out that the TCU did beat Michigan. So that, that, that alone beating Michigan in the semis justified the fact that they got into the national title game. I know a lot of people, Want well, to think, and Stephen A. Smith being one of them, that well, that, that that shouldn't count. That that's why you know some people, Stephen A. Smith, saying that that's why Florida State was uh, shut out of the college football playoffs because of what happened to TCU last year. That's not so. But I was at that game, and boy, I got to tell you, uh, that has to make you feel like maybe it would have been better if we had lost to Michigan in the semifinals. To avoid that kind of finish, what did you think about that, Evan?
2: Yeah, I'm going to disagree with you on that, but I'll let you continue to go down your list. We'll get we'll we'll give your your bottom five before I uh, weigh in on this stuff. Okay, all right. Number eight on the list. Jimmy
0: Johnson finally going into the Ring of Honor. I have to tell you, this is not as big a deal to me as it is. to I know most people or a lot of people who just were, like, rolling around in the streets of the announcement that Jimmy Johnson was going to be in the Ring of Honor. Uh, The guys in the Hall of Fame, that should be enough for everybody, be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, But there were a lot of people here and felt like that finally that this happened. I don't discount the fact that a, a lot of people in our market who maybe are a little bit on the, oh, I don't know, superstitious side, think that 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 was some kind of jinx uh, that because of Jerry Jones' rift with Jimmy that the Cowboys were never going to win again until he finally made amends with him and put him in the Ring of Honor. So I I, I don't believe in that, uh, and I don't believe that's the case. But I I this list is you know me paying allegiance and homage to the readers and listeners out there who feel like this is a big story. Okay. Number seven on the list, SMU going to the ACC and also winning its first conference title in more than 40 years, Uh, outright title, Uh, a big year for SMU. No question about that. Uh, This is a a big move going uh, to the ACC and leaving the American athletic conference, um, you can argue that well, but they they're forking over nine years of uh, media payouts uh, to do that to earn that right. Uh, it doesn't seem to bother the SMU people any. Uh, they went out and raised over a hundred million dollars in the first week uh, after that announcement. I think that, that shows you that they have plenty of money there to discuss those things. I think Rhett Lashley has really done a good job at SMU uh, in succeeding Sonny Dykes. Picked up where he left off uh, and and really stepped it up a notch. Obviously uh, and and performed even better than they had. So uh, all things are pointing up out, out there at the hilltop. Uh, it's it's just a, a good time for the Mustangs. Uh, they seem to be have everything pointing in the right direction. Which you know I couldn't have said that uh, probably last year or maybe even after they lost to TCU this year, uh, but they they do, they've got it going on. Uh, number six on the list, just what we like to call the Cowboys usual, just the Cowboys are always a huge story in this market. Um, and th- so they're going to be in any top 10 list. You know, the thing about the Cowboys this year is that the discussion about and this is what I asked c d. lamb and several other players last year after a game when I said, "You know last week you lost it was an embarrassing loss. This week you won. which team are you are the are you the team that lost last week? Or are you the team that won this week?" And he said, "What kind of question is that?" I said, "This is the kind of question I ask all the time, unfortunately um but
2: it's a good it, question it, for this team."
0: Well, it is a good question for this team because I think at some point we have to make the the decision that this is who they are. They're a team that's that's capable of playing really well and winning a big game, and they're a team that's capable of going out the next week and falling on its face. Uh, And that kind of goes back to the whole question that I raised on our previous podcast, Evan, uh, that I don't think it's a mentally tough team. Uh, I, I think that they're a team that reminds me as I was discussing with my uh, oldest son the other day, when we were watching some of those uh, uh, high school state championship games, you you watch the ebb and flow of those, and when something happens bad, you just see it in those poor kids. They just they just go downhill faster than you can imagine. And as I told my son, each level you rise up in, in the athletics, it's less of that, right? High schools are very emotional. College, they're still pretty emotional professional not nearly as emotional as the previous two and so therefore you tend to get more of an even keel of play except for the cowboys the the cowboys just remind me of a college team that's that when things are going well boy they play great and when things are start to go bad oh my gosh what's happening here and they ride that roller coaster right to the bottom all
2: right well i'm just uh, I'm, uh, i'll i'm Go with my disagreements here, real quick. Are we wait? Are we gonna
0: this is this gonna be Festivus, the airing of grievances?
2: Yes, my airing of grievances. Um, number ten for me on the list is um. I'm just gonna go with uh, Messi's appearance against FC Dallas. It created a hoopla that we hadn't seen for a single game here in a long, long time, and. I still don't quite understand the MLS in the in-season tournament or any of that, but it certainly was a big deal, um, and it was a big night, and it created a lot of buzz. So uh, I will have that at the number 10 spot. Can I say something
0: something about that? Yes. Or do you have to go on? No, go. Okay, you're wrong.
2: Okay. Um, Number nine, I will will use the – University of Texas's win at Alabama, the best single win of the season uh, in college football. Um, I think that you will uh, potentially have some linkage to other stuff there, but I think that that stands on its own as an individual story. To go to Alabama, beat Alabama, and set the stage in college football, that they were going to be the stocking horse with, um, with the uh, – The best win in in, um, uh, the best win of the season. And the idea that, uh, hey, I know this is, I know people say this a lot, but people were thinking Texas is back. Um, Hey, what's the deal with a stalking horse anyway? What's a stalking horse? Stalking horse is kind of the like pace setter. Really? Yeah. That fades. Is, this, <laughs> is, it, is it a
0: stalking, S T O C K, or is it S T A L K? It's
2: a stalking horse.
0: S T A L K I N G. They're stalking. Does that mean like that horse is just like bugging you? It's like you turn, you look over your shoulder, and there it is. That horse is behind you? Correct. Wow. That's that's really something.
1: Is Word, somebody
0: are, are, are sneezing? Producer, <laughs> our producer, Christian Beckes, was really. Sneezing there. I think that was a world record. I think there was like
2: <laughs> I thought that was a horse sound effect for a minute.
0: <laughs> no, that's not. The, that's not the effect of horse. A horse doesn't sneeze like that. Uh, I, horses.
2: sneeze. They kind of go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Evan, that's really talented. That's the most talented thing I think I've
2: ever seen you do. <laughs> you
0: I want to check out this whole thing about a stalking
2: horse. Yeah. All right, so that's number that's number uh, nine. Anyway, number nine. man, you must
0: have a really good list. If that's number nine. That's all I got to say. Number eight,
2: yeah, will be SMU joining the ACC. I care not one whit about SMU uh, winning the AAC conference championship because I don't think, quite frankly, anybody at SMU cared about winning the AAC conference championship. Once it became apparent that they were going to actually get to the Power Five conference that they have spent the last thirty years trying to rejoin, um, I think that was a big deal. And what did you say? How much money did they raise? A hundred million dollars off of that? Over a hundred million dollars
0: after that announcement. Well, no, no question about that. But it's it's a anytime something's historic, you
2: know, first time
0: in forty years, you can say that. That's I,
2: I just don't think I don't think it matters. I, I I don't think the AAC part of it matters. I I think alone joining the 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 ACC is is what this uh what the school will pride itself on. I don't 20 years from now I don't think they're going to look back and say, you know what? We won the American Athletic Conference in 2023.
0: Yeah, they'll be looking for that. They are going to make sure they don't put that trophy
2: in John Plake's trunk. There you go. Okay. Number 7 yeah. This, this is where I put the high school state championships because it was, look, the, the sock dynasty, which did come to an end against Port Natchez-Groves, um, was a uh, was quite the run. Um, I do think we, we did a locator map with all those state championships. And I think outside of, of PNG, I think just about everybody was basically from Abilene North and East. You know, it was, it was, it was pretty concentrated in the North, the North Texas area and and it didn't go, it didn't go all the way out to to West Texas too far. Um, And I, I think the great majority of, of champions were, were in our, what we used to call our circulation area. Um, I don't know if we still have a circulation area or not. Or a circulation. Or a circulation But that's where I would put the the high schools. I will agree with you at number six. And the thing thing for me about this is that we're basically summing up the Cowboys season. Um, We're summing up the Cowboys season (laughs) at number six. They didn't make the top five on my list. Now, all of this could obviously change based on the playoffs. But I think it says something about the Cowboys that, their season as a whole has just not been one of our top 5 stories no matter no matter how you slice it it's it has been the usual and it's been it's been great at home it's been awful on the road and it's hard to right now think that this team is anything more than another i don't want to say early round exit but they're not i don't see them playing in the in the NFC championship at this point in time and i don't see I don't see them going to the Super Bowl. I think that I, I know you and David have debated that that they may be better than the Eagles, and that may be the case. Um, I think it would be really interesting where the Cowboys and Eagles play if they do uh in the postseason, in the playoffs. And and certainly I think that San Francisco is the class of the NFC.
0: Well, there's no question about that. Um but when you said David and I debate, we didn't really debate that at all. We we said that that the, I, I think the Cowboys are better than the Eagles. I mean, we, we see the Eagles are are headed downhill. They played that really tough schedule. They beat some really good teams, and they got a lot of credibility <laughs> for that, right? Uh, and, and and deservedly so. But they also kind of got a lot of luck. They, they were winning those games, and you kept going, my gosh, how do the Eagles keep winning these games? Uh, I think if, there's if, value uh, in
2: that, and I think ultimately when the chips are down, um. Yeah, they've they've hit a slump, and maybe my I, there's some recency bias based on the Rangers' season and how that played out. But I I I'm, I give the Eagles more credit because they've had more playoff success.
0: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I, I do give them credit, but I do think the the difference for me with the Cowboys is is that I when I'm picking the Cowboys in these games, lots of times I will pick them based on whether I think that they think they will beat this team. <laughs> uh, and uh, and I think they think they can beat the Eagles. Like the Bills, I think they thought, oh, yeah, well, we can beat the Bills. But then they go up there, and even though the weather wasn't bad at all, you know, it was a little wet. It was just in the 40s. They were still like, oh, man, what is this place anyway? And It's a little bit cold. It's a little bit slick. And, man, these guys are running the ball. And we hate it when people run the ball. You yeah, know, it's just – it, 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 it just puts them off their game, and once they're put off their game, they they just really struggle with that. The Cowboys still have the possibility of becoming the top story of twenty twenty
2: three, but it'll happen in twenty twenty four. But it'll happen in twenty twenty four
0: if they win the Super Bowl. Uh, they will they will not displace our number one. So that's all right, gonna, so, this, so let's get to the top, top five here. But that's the top five, and so uh, this time you go first since I went first
2: last time. Oh, wow. That's very That's very gentlemanly of you. Yeah, that's me. I'm a gentleman. All right. So number five for me is um, Texas A&M giving Jimbo Fisher $76 million to go hang out with Dude Perfect or do anything but be around Texas A&M. Um, just the sheer amount of money here um, and the give up that was the entire A&M situation and the coach, the, what, where I will link these things together is the coaching search that followed um, and the seeming decision to give the job to uh, which Stoops brother, Mike Stoops? Mark. Mark. Um, Mike is the one that worked for, for Bob. To give it to Mark Stoops from Kentucky. And then after that got out, Boosters said, let's not go that direction. They wanted something apparently sexier, and so they came up with the Duke head coach, Mike Elko. Um, Number four for me would be the Mavericks acquisition of Kyrie Irving. All the hullabaloo that went along with that. And, to use your phrasing, and when we started to put this list together, the fizzle that followed. didn't really amount to anything. I mean, Kyrie, uh, they, 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 they brought Kyrie in here and made a, didn't even make the playoffs, right?
0: No, they did not make the playoffs. They, they tanked, uh, so they could get back into the top 10 and, uh, and they made the draft pick, which as it turned out, uh, is it was a saving grace of that season. You know, that's how these things always work out. I know, and, you know, we talk about that all the time.
2: In they, didn't trade for, they didn't trade for Kyrie Irving to get Derek Lively.
0: No, they did not. They did not. You're right. You're absolutely right. They traded for him thinking that they're going to go to the playoffs because they have to be as good as possible to keep, you know, Luka Doncic interested, right? They're not to give him that, the thing that thinking that, oh, I'm going to move out of here. But in the short-term interest of this team, uh, getting Derek Lively was a game-changer. Uh, for the Mavericks. So I, I will say when he is on the floor as a rookie early in this season, they are a different team.
2: Uh, unintended benefit, unintended benefit of that. But yes.
0: Yes. No question about that. All right. Number onward.
2: number three. Yeah. Uh, and I, again, I think you've got some linkage on some uh, other stories, but I, I make this as a separate Texas making the CFP. Uh, for me, is a separate story and clearly does demonstrate that Texas is, in fact, back, uh, and that Texas made the college football playoff above an unbeaten Florida State team. Um, is a huge story for me. Um, Starkeesian and, when healthy, Quinn Ewers. Uh, have put together a, a really impressive season. As I said earlier, they had the best win in college football this year. Maybe, maybe, yes, they had the best win in college football. And I, as, as, as we tape this, and I think by the time that this plays, the Sugar Bowl will not have kicked off. This is how no. bad we are. No, um, it
0: will not have kicked off. No,
2: but I would make an argument that right now, based on everything I've seen of the four teams in the college football playoff, Texas might be might be the best team right now in that college football playoff. Um, certainly, when they're when they're good and the way they played the last two weeks of the season, they're they're on quite the roll. We'll see what happens um, with the other game. I think you give Nick Saban a month to prepare for a team and, and Alabama is going to be mighty dangerous and I'm not really sold on Michigan. So it would not surprise me to see a rematch in the championship game of, of Texas and Alabama, which would be a rematch from earlier this year and also a rematch from a Rose Bowl that I think we covered together, Kevin. Yes. Um, number two for me, number two on my list, Mark Cuban sells the Mavericks, or majority ownership of the Mavericks, to the Adelson-Sands uh, Corporation. Um, this is an ongoing story for me because I don't think that everything has been reported here. Um, what we have seen is the idea that Mark wants to bring a, res- a resort and casino Um to Dallas. I think that getting casino gambling in the state of Texas is going to be a real challenge. Obviously the, the, the Adelson family and, and Sands has, has even more money than Mark does. Uh, they've purchased land where Texas stadium used to be. Um, I just think that this is, this still remains an uphill battle. And unless there is something that is, has been that we have not accounted for, I'm not seeing how the Adelson family is going to get what they really want out of this deal. Now, maybe I'm giving our politicians too much credit, but um, I, unless they unless they basically bought and sold politicians, it's going to be hard for me to see how you're going to get casino gambling passed in this in in this in this area. And it it looks more and more to me like Mark has decided to to take a nice cash to payday.
0: All right, those are before you get to number one because let's hold up for to do that. I'll talk about what because there is so much
2: suspense on this.
0: There is a lot of suspense. We want to keep that building out there. Uh, I my, my number five was uh, Jimbo, uh, like you, getting his seventy six million dollars severance, and I'll and I'll put it in there obviously about the the replacement and what an embarrassment that was. Um, didn't see that coming at all. Uh, did not see them deciding that, yeah, we're good with going ahead and paying that 76 million. I knew that there were people that the big shots were all dying to get rid of him. They just, they couldn't do it and and spend that kind of money because look, they had the money to do it and, and they're doing that and they're paying for it. Um, but they were ridiculed for giving him the contract in the first place. Right. Ten million At the time, it was 10 years, $75 million. Uh, And then they were ridiculed again when Ross Bjork went out and gave him that extension a couple of years ago, which really was what screwed everything up. They could have, at this point, could have paid him $30 million to go away if they had not given him the, the extension. And $30 million, while, while still an awful lot of money, uh, it was not nearly as embarrassing as $76 million. So that that was the that was the real issue there was that they decided even if we're gonna get made fun of again, we don't care. And and I will tell you this, I, I also believe that a driving force in this was the fact that Texas is not only coming to the SEC to join AM, but they are going to the CFP. And they did that in, in Steve Sarkeesian's third year uh um Jimbo Fisher had five years, didn't come close to doing that, and that was just embarrassing and
2: infuriating. And I think I, this is one place where I dis—I kind of disagreed with you all year because I kept asking you week after week, what do you think a and is going to do? What do you think a and is going to do? And you obviously have a lot more background on it than me, but my basic, my basic operating thesis here was these people crazy. And so that they were going to do something that, even though it made no sense, and even though it seemed so out of proportion, I, I thought that there was going to be there was going to be a change made before the end of the season, um, regardless of what the the, the consequences would be. Uh, they had the money; they have money to do it, and they've got they're they're letting their feelings get in in the way of everything else. And yeah, I think that there is once again in You've written chapter and verse about this, right? The envy, you know, the eyes of Texas may be upon you, but the eyes of A&M are upon Texas. And everything that Texas does, A&M is acutely aware of. Its fan base is acutely aware of. And, yes, what insult to injury would it all be that Texas potentially comes into the SEC as defending national champions um, with a date set to finally play A&M again? So, yeah, that... That for me uh uh was one that, that I feel like I, I kind of had a feeling that was gonna happen. Evan,
0: clearly I should be listening to you more often. Most of the time I don't even know that you're talking. All right. Uh neither do I, four, Kevin. Yeah. Number four on my list. Uh and see, this is you should have linked these two things together because one doesn't happen without the other one. Number four on my list, Texas beating Alabama and then making the college football playoff. Uh they don't make the college football playoffs without beating Alabama. That was, as you said, as Steve Sarkeesian said over and over again, this was the greatest uh, regular season win in college football. No question about that. That's what got them in. If they had, uh, if Alabama had not beaten Georgia, you could make the case. Well, would Texas still gotten in at number four? probably so uh, because the the committee didn't like Florida State but the committee would not have put their heads on the chopping block if Al- of course if Alabama had lost uh, and then uh, the uh, Texas and Texas had not beaten Alabama then, then Florida State would have been in right so well if
2: uh, you Alabama- had, had if Georgia had beat Alabama you'd have an easy uh, argument for four unbeaten conference yeah. champions. Yes.
0: And that's what they would have done. Uh, but, it, but you know what? I, I I didn't have a problem with that storyline, as I've, I've said and written. Uh, you know, I don't think that Florida State uh, is the same team that it was uh, before they lost, you know, uh, their quarterback. And so I, I think that the, the anyway, this this all happened because of that. That was a huge win for Texas beating Alabama. I I tell you, and I was there for that game in Tuscaloosa. I was also in Tuscaloosa when uh, Johnny Football beat uh, Alabama. And I would say that was a more shocking win. Uh, We didn't really know how good uh, Texas A&M was at that time. But this was a
2: more significant win. This was a more substantial win because Texas backed it up. Even despite the loss to OU, Texas backed it up.
0: Yeah, and not that bad of a loss to OU. I mean, come on. It lost like three points in the Cotton Bowl, a, a tremendous performance by Dylan Gabriel. And, and and when, in fact, we didn't talk about that the end of this year, but Dylan Gabriel uh, made his own comments about what he thought about Oklahoma's future was when he transferred to uh, in the transfer portal to uh, Oregon. And he, his re- reasoning, he said the other day on the radio right. was, well, I feel like they have a chance to win now. Like, wow. So what are you saying about Oklahoma's chances of winning? next year. Not good. Uh, so uh, that tells you a little bit about where everything's going. I still stand by this the, my storyline that it was a mistake for Texas to leave the Big 12. This year proved it. This year proved it beyond a shadow of a doubt. You don't have to leave the Big 12. You know, you can stay here, win it. It's a lot more winnable than the SEC is. They have on their, on their schedule the next couple of years, they play Michigan twice, and then they play Ohio State twice. That's all you got to do. Schedule games like that, non-conference. Beat and they America. already had
2: Georgia on their schedule. They were going to play Georgia um, non-conference games in. I think it was twenty three and twenty four, but now the, the twenty three game was canceled ahead of the uh, ahead of the merger.
0: Right. So that's the that was a mistake. But uh, we have we've talked about that, and we need to move on here. So um, that was number 4 number 3 the 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 Kyrie Irving trade and the Mavericks flame out. Uh that was those things are also linked for me because uh they traded for him just so they could try to make the playoffs. Uh they're desperate. Uh things weren't working, you know what had worked so well last year. Uh it did of course didn't happen again. They 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 just couldn't make it work. It was amazing to me to see the difference uh in the of Mavericks, once you took Jalen Brunson out of that mix, I,
2: I think desperation was- is the right word, right? I mean, and now we look back. If we look back now, six months in, in hindsight, that Cuban has now sold the majority interest of the team. That was a desperation move. It was like, okay, I don't know what else we can do. Let's throw, let's let's throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and bring in this talent uh, to see if we can make Luca happy. But, yeah, that, that's what that move the, – the whole move reeked of desperation to me.
0: Well, no question about it. And, and you know, here's the thing. You know, the way the Mavericks looked at it was like, okay, yeah, he plays in the backcourt with Luka. Neither one of these guys play defense. Uh, you know, Kyrie plays even less than Luka does. And so they play poor defense. You're not fixing the one thing you can't do, right? The, the thing that they did so well last year uh, when they made the Western Conference Finals was the fact that they – they played such great defense. Well, they they couldn't play that anymore. And then that, he didn't fix that. But this was the one great player that you could get. You know, they didn't have the the the, the trade chips to be able to get a guy who could fix you know all their problems in the uh, in the front court. But it was a desperation was, move. Yeah, it was yeah, desperation. It was all desperation. So it it didn't work out. And, uh, and it may work out better this year. They are a better team this year than they were last year. They made some moves to, to improve the roster, and we'll see how, how far that takes them. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it's going to take them really far. Uh, they have to be uh, really great offensively because they're still not a good defensive team. But they are at least trending in the right direction for now. But we'll see how long that, that lasts them. Number two, Mark Cuban sale. Uh, I got to tell you, you know, one of the great things I love about this job, Evan, is just being blindsided by stuff. You know, Uh, it's not my beat. You know, it's always it always makes you just sick to your stomach when it's your beat. Right. Uh, I can remember the days when uh, the Dallas Times-Herald was was still here and I was covering college football or college basketball. And you'd go out to the curb and pick up the paper in the morning and uh, both the papers would be there. And I would open up the Times Herald with one eye closed, you know, just praying that there wasn't going to be something in that paper that morning that I wasn't supposed to have, you know, and then once I realized that they didn't have it or if I had something and they didn't have it, the greatest feeling in the world. So it's either the greatest feeling in the world when you first get up or the worst feeling in the world when you first get up in the morning. Uh, It was pretty thrilling, all things considered. So now that I'm not a beat guy anymore and haven't been forever, Uh, as Steve Richardson once called me, I was a luxury liner when I was a feature writer for the, for the sports day Uh, is that I don't have to worry about that anymore. But the Mark Cuban sale just came out of nowhere. I've had people since then tell me, Oh yeah, I knew about this for a month, you know, people who have connections to the team and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, well, then, you know, why did you tell us something? Uh, But that did come out of nowhere uh, because, you know, I don't, As much as Jerry Jones loves owning the Cowboys, I was not sure that Jerry Jones loved it as much as Mark Cuban loves owning the Mavericks. Because even now, and and of course there's a big age difference between Mark uh, and and Cuban. Well, maybe not a huge difference. It's like, what, 12 years, something like that, 13 years. I, I, I do think, that Mark Mark was always more involved, actually involved in everything. You know, Jerry's involved and he had the final say on things, but not like Jerry hasn't really run the, the day-to-day operation for, for years. You know, he he listens to people. Will McClay runs the draft now and and has been has done it for years. Uh Steven as we well know the story about when Johnny Manziel was being drafted and uh and and that when all that stuff happened. You know, uh, he talked his dad out of uh, uh, of that and told him, you got to take Zach Martin. Uh, so I was just shocked that Mark Cuban would, would give up uh, a majority interest in the team, which meant that he would no longer, you know, be the governor of the team as well. And which meant ultimately, like, you can say all you want that, OK, well, he's not going to really be, you know, he's, he's not going to be the primary owner of the team. But he'll, he'll still be making all the basketball decisions. Let me tell you something. You don't spend that kind of money if you're those people from Vegas and just say, oh, sure, go ahead and do whatever you want to do. Because they have, you know, in, in that family, the son-in-law uh, is a guy who was running a team uh, in, uh, uh, in Europe, and uh, and he's going to end up running the team here. You know that's just going to happen at some point. It may not be in the next two or three years or four years, but eventually that's going to happen, and he'll be running the team. So I if-
2: think I, I think with Mark that we've all been imprinted, or it's all been imprinted on our brain. You know the passion that he had on the floor during his early years running the club, and and that that lasted for a long time. But I think the last two or three years, particularly since the since the scandal. Um, in the front office, um, it does appear that he's scaled back a little bit. I don't know if I'd say he's lost interest, but it does appear that as he's gotten older and he's what, 65 now, that he has, he has scaled back a little bit. And maybe he did get to a point where he said, you know what? I'm not having as much fun and I'm not as passionate about this as i once was nothing wrong with that
0: well absolutely nothing wrong with it and i I don't think there's any question about that mark has much more varied interests now than he used to have used to be the maverick was his baby all the way number one thing nothing else and now he's got a million things going he's got his own pharmaceuticals line he's you know he was on shark tank now he's going to disappear from that one of the things he's is he said and has gotten out there is he wants to spend more time with his family. And when everybody when anybody says that, never believe him. Uh, you know, I, I'm sorry that families get uh, trifled with this way, but uh, uh, maybe that had some little to do with it. Here's my theory, and this has absolutely nothing to do with anything inside that I've heard. I believe that Mark looks at this possibility of the casino as his last big play before he's officially done. And that he's thinking that by bringing this family in and, and the legislature getting to see these people up close and personal and and everybody else, voters get to see that up, and clo- up close and personal, see what they're like, and that maybe this isn't such a bad thing and maybe we can get this passed in time before the lease is up with the uh, uh, American Airlines Center in 2031. Obviously, to, to be able to build all of that and commit to it, you're talking about, you know, eight or nine years out, right? So this had, this probably had to happen now just so he could get that done and the possibility of that actually happening so they could be able to step into a new arena right after the lease is up. And, and maybe they negotiate their way out, out of it if it happens before then. But I think he feels like this could be a game changer for him. Mark has done a lot of great things, and I don't, I'm not going to disparage him at all. He's a, he's a smart guy, and he's done a lot of good things, and he does a lot of good things for, for people. And, and this pharmaceutical thing he's doing is, is a good thing. Um, but he's tried a lot of things that have not exactly had the same impact that Broadcast.com did, uh, which made him his fortune and enabled him to buy the Mavericks. Um, and I think he feels like this is a big play. That, that I'm going to do this and this is going to happen and this will be even bigger than that. And so I feel like that's one of the reasons why that he did this.
2: I mean, listen, and I, I don't mean this in a bad way, you know, but when you're a billionaire, there is an element of ego involved. And, um, quite frankly, he's got, he's got the oldest arena in town right now. So, um, uh, well, and that's all a personal thing too. Look, that's a
0: yep. grudge. That's the yep. that's the old grudge with Ross Perot. He got mad. You know, they were partners, and then uh, when they got out, and it was very acrimonious. Uh, you know, Perot still owned that that land where the parking lot was, just north of American Airlines Airline Center, and then he built apartments, condos all over the top of it. And that just really sent Mark off the edge. And so he has been dying to do this and move out of that arena ever since. And that's what that has mostly been based on.
2: All right, Kevin. So what's your number one top sports story of the year? Me,
0: Kevin Sherrington, the number one top sports story. No, that wasn't it. Oh, no, wait a minute. I'm sorry. That was in my, in my family. Well, no, wait a minute. That's not even in that either. In this in this room, I have the top sports story. Now, obviously, the Rangers win in the World Series. That may be the top story of the decade. If the Cowboys don't finally do something uh, this decade, uh, I'm going to stick with that, uh, the Rangers win in the World Series. And look, it's been a big year. This was all these things we've just talked about, these 10 stories. Uh, several of them are, are game-changer type things. The Mark Cuban sale, you know, the uh, – the Texas going to the the college football playoff, uh, you know, that's two years in a row, frankly, for Texas teams too. So that, that, that's really, uh, that's big stuff. These are things that will have repercussions for years going forward, but the Rangers clearly top that.
2: And well, I mean, I, I think when you talk about repercussions going forward, I think that everything involved with what the Rangers did over the last year, um, In the words of Michael Young himself, this organization has been changed. It now has a history. It did not have a history. As I've written, right, this was an organization that was known more for punches delivered than it was for titles delivered. Um, It has a legitimate history. It has a revenue-generating engine of a stadium right now that's doing every bit the business that Jerry Jones is doing across the street in Globe Life Field. Um, didn't have that ability previously at, at the ballpark in Arlington. Um, they have superstars in the prime of their career in Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon, um, and in a uh, uh, an emotional guy that's a heartbeat in in Adolis Garcia. And do have the possibility, potentially at the end of this year, to have you know one of the best pitchers in all of baseball if Jacob Degrom comes back healthy. Uh, I I would say, look, short of the Cowboys winning a, a Super Bowl, that the Rangers winning their first World Series and changing the franchise uh, will be the story of the 2020 decade in in Dallas Fort Worth. I think it will be the biggest story short of the Cowboys returning to the top of the NFL because as we know, we live in an NFL world and, and this is an NFL town and, and even if the Rangers win a World Series, the Cowboys the Jerry certainly tried to steal back the headlines after that World Series win with with putting Jimmy in the in the Ring of Honor. Um, I'm sure that was all completely unintended, right? But well, yeah. But uh, I, I, I do think that short of the Cowboys winning the Super Bowl, the Rangers winning their first World Series and what it can potentially do for this organization is going to go down as the story of this decade.
0: Yeah, I think because it was just so uh, unexpected, you know, as, as Eric Nadel said to, uh, you know, to the listeners, Rangers fans are not dreaming. Uh, and, and that's that's the thing. That's so interesting about it, Evan, is that so game five, right? The ALCS, you know, I asked Eric Nagdale that question after that loss. I said, so where does that rank now in the uh, disappointments? And he said, yeah, that's, that's right behind game six. So it's game six, losing the World Series essentially in game six against the Cardinals. Number two was game five against the Astros. And now people are not even going to remember that game. That game means nothing now. The fact that they lost that game and the way they lost it, which was so as anybody would say to you back then, just typical Rangers. This is just what they do when they get in this position and they just shook all that off. I got to tell you, I, I've had moments as a uh, a sports writer that I, I do remember. I don't remember breakfast, generally speaking, but. As I was talking about earlier and things that have happened to me, I was, you know, and as you were at the Rose Bowl, when Vince Young ran into the end zone, the thought went through my head my gosh, I don't believe it. Texas has won the national championship. You know, after 35 years, they've won a, a national championship. And just, just kind of hard to believe. And this, I thought the same thing when Josh Spores threw that curveball. I know that just, to me, it was just the craziest thing. You throw a curveball to win the, the, a World Series title. No one throws a curve anymore. No one throws one to try to strike out somebody. Uh, and, and, you, and he does that, and he spikes the glove. I just thought, unbelievable. I mean, they were the better team than the Diamondbacks. I really felt like they were going to win that series. And they, frankly, dominated them, right? You win – you know, if you win a five-game series and you win three of those on the road. Well, my gosh, you 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 have. You well, have the Diamondbacks
2: won. dictated the pace for the first two games. The Rangers obviously right. had an iconic moment with the Seeger home run and the Garcia home run, but I think the Rangers found a way after that to kind of negate the the Arizona's ability to really push the issue. Um, I I I do also feel like. Listen. The first time you win, a team wins a world championship. Um, there's an innocence and a purity that goes along with it that will never ever fade. And so, even if they repeat next year, this will be this will be a memory for people that just doesn't ever fade away. And and uh, that's why I think this story is is gonna endure. Uh, as the best sports story in DFW for for this decade.
0: Yeah, uh, you know the thing about being a fan uh, is that people pour their heart and soul into it, right? And and when you've been jilted, not just two or three times, but dozens or hundreds of times over the course of of, of being a fan, you know you you build a chip on your shoulder about it. And you and you feel bad about the fact that you that you poured so much emotion into that, and this team kept you know letting you down. And when finally it happens that you know your your faith in this team was rewarded, well, that's just you know, yep, you just can't beat that. And Part that was
2: that, that I, you know, seeing fans that were at the ballpark in Arizona that night and seeing the contentment and joy in their in their faces, talking to fans a, a couple weeks later. Uh, to get their recollections and listen, I will even say this: people, people say, "Hey, were you were you happy that the Rangers won? You know, congratulations that the Rangers won because they know I've covered this team for a long time." I, I I wouldn't say that like I'm invested as a fan, but I did kind of go down to the clubhouse, and as I was going down to the clubhouse after Game Five, I could feel a little bit of tears kind of welling up in my eyes because I just knew what it meant to these people. I knew what it meant to the organization and I knew what it was gonna to mean to the city uh, and it was cool. I don't have a better word to to describe it. it was just cool to know that that feeling was coming for these people and so that's what made me a little bit emotional at that point in time was people are gonna to get to experience a kind of joy that is that is very very rare and I know how passionate uh, fans were and I know you know how... Hurt they had been in the past. And so um, it was a special moment in that regard.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I was, ha- yeah, I'm the same way. I was happy for people, happy for those guys. Look, you know, We cover athletes and covered them for a thousand years. And I, you know, I don't I don't let my emotions about or my feelings about the people that I cover reflect how I write about them. I know people think that that's not true, but there's lots of people. People say, oh, you just don't like that guy. And that's why you criticize him. I said, if I only wrote about the people that I liked, I wouldn't write very much. You know, there's not a whole lot of likable people in sports a lot of times. But well, this is a really likable bunch of rangers. Uh, really, uh, a, a, basically, a nice bunch of guys, and and the and the manager is somebody who's a pleasure to deal with, uh, and and the and the general manager is a guy who really knows what he's doing. And so this was a a, a, a unusual team in a lot of ways. And I think one of the things that uh, always struck me about this story too, Evan, is that. Fans and writers, people like you, people like me that have been around the team for a long time, we know all this history. We know all the bad things that happened. And and, and in a lot of ways, it colors our perception of, of this team. These guys couldn't have cared less about what happened before. It didn't happen to them. You know, they were all new. There were only, what, uh, four guys, a handful of guys left over from 2019. So these are, are guys who are making their own history. And, and, and that's what, and that was what was really cool about it was that, yeah, they, they, they don't look at it like these things were going to happen. And, and, and I, and I'm with you. I think the fact that you had so many guys on this team, it makes a difference when you, you can have young guys, but when you have a guy who is a former world series MVP on your team and he's having a lights out season, well, then that gives you a lot of credibility. You know that makes you think that this is not a fluke. As I was telling somebody at a, at, a, at another Christmas party we went to this year, um, look, this was no fluke with this team. The, these guys were really good. Uh, th- there were some really good players on this team, and and will be again next year. Uh, they had a lot of bad luck. They lost two uh, aces, and over the course of the season, they had the worst bullpen in the history of bullpens um you know you know they had other injuries during the course of the season to to seager to adultus you know there was a lot of bad things that happened to this team and they won anyway you know and that's what was really remarkable about that's what makes you think that this team can go back and do it maybe not again this year because teams just don't win back-to-back world series very often uh but they'll be in the hunt for it and they should be in the hunt for it for the next three or four years as far as i can tell and i would have I would assume, you know, building after that. There's no reason to think that it couldn't. Now, things will happen differently if if Bruce Bochy goes and retires after a couple more years. I I don't know how much longer he wants to do this. I think that's a a really big question going forward because I think he was a great influence on this team. Maybe not in the way that fans always think that he's an influence, but he was. Uh, There's no question about that. And and he made the right calls and the right decisions uh, when you wanted him to do that. So they are the number one story of this year and maybe for years to come. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh,
2: and well we got we we've, we've got to get out of here before we have to start recounting the top 20 the top stories of 2024 cuz we have yeah. gone far longer than we should have gone and I knew this was going to be the issue but it's been a good conversation nevertheless.
0: Absolutely. So what was your thing you wanted to say?
2: Goodbye oh that's it that's it
0: <laughs> okay all right so that's the end of it for the year we promise we'll come back next year in 2024 with more podcasts but this was our special podcast a gift to you our listeners because of everything you've meant to us because of the, the the many fine gifts you've been sending to me uh I, I appreciate that so much it's nice to receive all these these goods and thanks You've been getting a lot of stuff, haven't you?
2: I have uh, tons, tons of stuff. Tons of stuff. (laughs) Tons of stuff. That's us. No, but from everybody in here to everybody out there, uh, Happy New Year, everybody. And thanks for listening.
1: Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money?